The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Skin care and plastic surgery are hot topics these days. Let Dr. Rubenstein answer your questions and explain what you'll want to look for in aesthetic products and cosmetic procedures. Get ready for a discussion about all things aesthetic. Now, live from Miami, Florida, American Board Certified Plastic Surgeon, Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Welcome to New Reflections. Thanks for listening in. We have a great show this week. I want to say a few things about our last show. We got some great response from our show about procedures for men. And if you haven't heard that, you can catch it on the podcast or go back in the archives and the network website at voiceamerica.com. Look up New Reflections and catch the show from last week. It was a great one about procedures for men. This week, we've got a new topic. The show is called Armless and Thigh Lifts, Making the Extremities Less Extreme. And we're going to talk about arm lifts and thigh lifts. We're going to get with uh, two experts. These are international experts in the world of body contouring after weight loss, and particularly experts in arm lifts and thigh lifts. So starting the show, we'll have Dr. Al Ali. He's a board-certified plastic surgeon who's practicing in California. And we'll also be joined by Dr. Dennis Hurwitz, another board-certified plastic surgeon who's practicing in Pennsylvania. Now, let's talk about armless and thigh lifts for a little bit. Last year, there were about 19,000 arm lifts performed and about 14,000 thigh lifts performed. And these are not big numbers when you think about the numbers of breast lifts and breast augmentations and liposuction. The more common procedures are much, much higher numbers and the hundreds of thousands being done. But these are still very popular procedures. In fact, they're growing in popularity. When you look at the numbers from last year and you compare them to 15 years ago, and I should tell you, these statistics are from the American Society for Aesthetic Plastic Surgery. There were four times as many thigh lifts done in 2011 as there were 15 years before. In fact, there were six times, actually more than six times, the number of arm lifts done in 2011 compared to 15 years prior. Most of these procedures are being done on women, and most of these procedures are being done on people who've lost lots of weight, and we call them massive weight loss patients. Usually someone who's lost typically more than 50, frequently more than 100 pounds through diet and exercise or bariatric procedures, and the arms and thighs are one of those places that typically has some sort of issue when you're after losing that amount of weight, you think about contouring your body. This is pretty typically uh, one of the areas that we talk about. And so, Dr. Ali and Dr. Hurwitz are going to share their experience about these procedures. And why don't we get right to it? I want to welcome my first guest. Uh, this is Dr. Al Ali, a board-certified surgeon practicing in sunny California. Dr. Ali, welcome back to New Reflections. Thank you, Adam. Well, great to have you on the show, and you know, this is a topic that you have many years of experience 
dealing with, whether we're talking about weight loss patients specifically or just brachioplasty or arm lift and thigh lift patients across the board. What are the typical patients that you're seeing for these procedures? Well, as you said, Adam, uh, the majority of patients that come see us are uh, patients who've had massive weight loss, uh, and uh, they present with fairly large arm excess. Um, the very common term that patients use are, are bat wings. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. It's, right. it's... Uh, and their main complaints is that when they're, uh, you know, just walking around, their arms flop. Uh, it makes it hard for them to wear clothes because the clothes may fit the rest of their, their body, but they won't fit around the arms. Um, and as far as the thighs go, um, again, the thighs can be very large uh, when people are overweight. And when they lose the weight, they may deflate and, again, become very floppy. Or sometimes, unfortunately, they're still very full uh, when they stop their weight loss. And that presents, uh, again, some significant problems for us as plastic surgeons to take care of. Yeah, and their weight loss patients are typically more challenging than someone who hasn't lost tremendous amounts of weight. What would you say the percentage of folks that you're seeing that just come in because they don't like the floppiness in their arms or the excess skin in their thighs, what percentage of those type of patients as compared to your massive weight loss patients? Uh, meaning that uh, patients that are not massive weight loss patients just don't like the, the floppiness in their tissues. Right. Uh, I think the majority, uh, maybe 95% are massive weight loss. I have an occasional patient, uh, mostly on the older uh, side, who maybe people who uh, used to spend a lot of time in the sun or still do, and they've lost a lot of elasticity in their skin, uh, and uh, they, that's kind of the remaining 5%. Uh, those, are, those people have never gained and lost a lot of weight. They just have very lax skin. Yeah, I've seen that too, and I, I agree. More so in older patients, you see more and more uh, older women coming in that are developing the same type of bat wing appearance, the floppiness of the upper arm, and sometimes in the thighs. Now, you know, these are procedures that we'll talk with patients a lot uh, that come into the office. I, I, I should say I see more people lately that are not weight loss patients coming to the office about these procedures because I think the procedures are gaining more popularity. People are aware, well, you can do an arm lift, you can do a thigh lift, but I don't think there's enough known about it because in my office, I've been seeing more patients coming in, talking about getting it done, not really understanding what the process is like. And when they learn more about it, it it's probably not for someone that just wants a little tightening of the arm because of what it brings and the scars that go with it and the, the process. So it, it really is a great procedure, almost a no-brainer for someone who's lost lots of weight and has significant amount of skin uh, flopping around in the upper arm or in the upper, upper lower extremity, the, the thigh. For them, it's an easy trade-off because you're going to make them very firm and smooth, and trading that for a scar that runs down their arm or their thigh is a reasonable trade. But if you take someone who has just a little bit of excess or a little bit of floppiness, sometimes it's not the best choice for them. Absolutely. I agree with you. And, you know, uh, as you said earlier, I think probably people like myself who specialize in, in these procedures, I see 
maybe more than the average plastic surgeon patients come in that are not massive weight loss, but I think that's a, a relatively unusual group, and I don't know if um, most plastic surgeons are seeing a great uh, increase in number uh, of non-massive weight loss patients. Um, I do think that at least in, in my situation, uh, I, as I think you would agree, um, if minimal amounts of tissue need to be removed, uh, often the, the problem is not worth the scar. And for me, I just tell the patients that, you know, if they have that little, that not, not so much excess, I just say it's not worth the operation for you. Uh, it's not worth the scar. And often they agree themselves. I don't have to convince them of it. Uh, so, uh, yes, the massive weight loss patients, it's very easy for them because they have a huge problem and they're willing to trade the huge problem for a scar. But the patients who have minor problems are not willing to undergo such long scars. Right, and I think that that's reasonable. Uh, I think we would all agree. Let, let's talk a little bit about technique. And, and there's, there's a number of techniques that we can use. We'll start with the arms because today we're talking about arms and thighs. So we start with the arms. We would call it a brachioplasty, but there's lots of techniques for improving the appearance of the upper arm, uh, starting with liposuction. A lot of times people come into the office and they say, well, you know, I want to tighten up my upper arm. I got this, it's a little floppy. I just want liposuction. What do you think of that as a technique for firming up the upper arm? Well, as you said, Adam, I think there's a range of procedures that one can utilize in the arm. And uh, I think one has to look at what the starting point is. So if the arm uh, is uh, fairly uh, elastic, meaning the skin is elastic, and which means that if you, if you take the fat out of it, it will contract. So I, I like to think of liposuction like taking air out of a balloon. So if that balloon is going to contract back down and be a small little balloon that it started out with, then I think liposuction is a reasonable option. And most of the time, these are going to be people who have a little bit of excess fat in their arms, but the skin quality is very good. So I think liposuction in that situation is is a very good option uh, and certainly a reasonable one. Now, as the deformities get more um, uh, extensive, then generally we're, we're going to move on to the excisional, meaning that we cut out parts of the arm. All right. So in, in simple terms, and this is sort of what I tell my patients too, if the upper arm is a thick firm arm, you know, if it's thicker than you want it to be, but it's firm, that there's nothing hanging, then liposuction might be one of the good choices. But if there's any skin hanging, if there's any looseness to the upper arm, by doing suctioning, you're going to make that looseness, that laxity worse. So it may not, you know, may not be the right choice for someone that has any amount of skin that hangs or is loose and floppy. I, I think that's, that's just another way of putting it. Absolutely, I agree. Maybe a simpler way of putting it than when I said. Okay. Well, <laughs> no, just, just trying to make it clear so that we, we understand. Uh, so let's say we've got some floppy arm skin. Because people listening to the show, sitting at home, thinking about, well, you know, I kind of want to make my upper arms a little bit nicer. And this is something I should say. We may not see them in the office, but this is the bane of many women's existence. And not just women, there are some men, but mostly women, they hate upper arms when it starts, you know, getting floppy. And they'll say, you know, I wave goodbye and my arm waves goodbye too. You know, it, it's, it's something that 
is really on the minds of a lot of women. So when you're going through this thought process, a lot of people are thinking at home about themselves. And we're talking about a thick upper arm. That's something for liposuction. Now let's move on to someone who might be thinking about having it done. And you look at your arm. If you have a, a little bit of hanging skin, then there's a choice of, of what you were saying, Dr. Ali, about excisional procedures, procedures where you cut something out. You're going to remove some skin, maybe some excess fat along with it. And there are three procedures that we think about. And we'll, in, in increasing complexity, we think about the axillary or underarm lift. Then we think about the traditional brachioplasty or a traditional arm lift. And then there's something that we would call an extended brachioplasty, which has a longer incision and takes care of more excess tissue. So let's, let's quickly talk about the differences between these three procedures. Let's start with the underarm approach. When would you use that? Well, um, I will have, have to uh, qualify my answer here. Uh, there are certainly a good number of surgeons who believe in that underarm uh, excision. I do not, so I don't, I don't, I don't use it. But um, I don't necessarily think that it's uh, a procedure that shouldn't be done. Certainly, there are surgeons who feel very strongly that it's a good procedure, and basically, they take out some excess uh, tissue in the armpit. Uh, kind of running in a horizontal line, uh, kind of along the line of of the armpit. Uh, the reason I don't like that procedure for me is uh, I don't like the angulation of tension, meaning as you close the wound, every time you raise your arm, you have the potential for pulling that wound apart. And the second part, uh, or the second reason I don't like it is it ignores the deformity, meaning the reason that upper arms are excessive is that they're horizontally excessive, meaning as you go around the circumference of the arm, there's an increase in, in that in that circumference as you go around. And if you're trying to pull it up into the armpit, that is not where the excess is. It's running in the opposite direction. So it doesn't work for me, although I do believe that people uh, use it and, and, and use it well. The people who do use it, I believe, uh, limited to people have a fairly small amount of excess uh, of hanging skin that is fairly close to the area of the armpit. It doesn't go down much the arm. Yeah, I, you know, I would agree with you completely. I, I think that's right. And we have to be careful. Obviously, one of the things we talk about on the show a lot is you have to choose the procedure to match the need. So when we're looking at patients, obviously, we're trying to pick the procedure or choice of procedures that are going to give you the result you're looking for. And, and I agree with you. Rarely will I choose to do an underarm approach. Um, we're going to have Dr. Hurwitz on very shortly. We'll see what his thought is. Um, the underarm approach is something that I limit very exclusively to someone who has a bulge in the uppermost part of the arm, right by that underarm area. We're talking just a, it'd have to be like a tennis ball-sized amount of excess that's hanging down at the very height Part, the highest part of the upper arm. And in that case, to try and limit any visible scar running down the arm, it may be a reasonable choice. But I do agree that when you're making an incision that goes across the underarm and not along a natural line, I think that's one issue. And the other issue is, you, you, I agree completely, and I think basic principles of plastic surgery, and Dr. Ali, I know uh, you are a great proponent of principles in, in looking at, at problems. You always want to make sure you're diagnosing the problem and treating it properly. And if the, the stuff hanging runs along the length of the arm, 
then you should be making your incision designed so that you can address the whole problem and not try and treat it with an incision that gets hidden in that underarm. And I always say, you know, it's, it gives you sort of like a, a, a curtain being pulled back with a rope type of a look where you have the stuff most, uh, the stuff closest to the underarm area is going to look good. But then as you get further out towards the elbow, it has that curtain appearance where it starts hanging like a drapery that's hanging up towards the elbow. And it really does not look good if you're not choosing it for the right patient. Well, we're going to take a short break here. When we come back, I'm going to introduce our second panel member, Dr. Dennis Hurwitz, and we'll continue our discussion about arms and thighs. We'll be back after this short break here on New Reflections. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. Make sure you do your homework. Why? This is not my car I'm working on. I may settle for an okay job on that, but I won't settle for anything less when it comes to my body. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. People pick a doctor based on trust. You can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. That's 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard in the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to the show. I'm Dr. Adam Rubenstein, a board-certified plastic surgeon practicing in Miami. I'm joined by Dr. Al Ali, who practices in California. And now I'd like to introduce our second guest, Dr. Dennis Hurwitz, practicing in Pennsylvania. Dr. Hurwitz, welcome to New Reflections. Nice to be here. Thanks, Adam. Oh, thanks for coming on the show. When we, you've heard the initial discussion. I was speaking with Dr. Ali about those underarm lifts, and we talked a little bit before that. Let's just get started Understanding a little bit about you and your experience, obviously you're you're a very well experienced uh, plastic surgeon when dealing with body contouring, particularly with weight loss patients, and uh, certainly have lots of experience in arms and thighs. Uh, one question I wanted to ask you was: Are you seeing any increase in non weight loss patients coming for arm lifts and thigh lifts? Without a doubt, um, it's it's almost explosive. 
the interest that the public has in improving their arms and thighs where it was non-existent for all practical purposes 10 years ago. And I think they're well aware of the incredible improvement in the weight loss patient, and they're just bothered enough to want to see, and some go through with these operations uh, in the non-weight loss aged person. Right. Yeah, I think, I think we all agree. And, I, and honestly, I think it owes uh, a, a debt of gratitude to uh, people like you and Dr. Ali who have advanced techniques and, and done the work to make it something that can give someone a, a terrific result that they can feel good about, even if they ha- don't have massive weight loss and a massive problem. A lot of folks are more and more choosing to have these procedures to feel better about their upper arms and thighs. Now, we were talking a little bit during the break, the three of us, about that uh, limited brachioplasty or the underarm brachioplasty. And Dr. Hurwitz, your thoughts uh, on that? Are you doing much of these? Um, no, I'm not. Uh, I couldn't agree more with the discussion, so I won't belabor it, except to say that if indeed the unusual situation where most of the laxity that troubles the patient is in the arm, towards the armpit, the proximal arm, then I would do kind of a hybrid operation, hiding most of the scar in the axilla and just going down, I'd say halfway down the arm uh, towards the backside, and I can get a lot of improvement there. But I haven't been able to figure out in a consistent way to do it just from the armpit. And frankly, I've seen a few problematic patients who are displeased by arm limitation, excessive scarring in that area when the operation was kept into the armpit. Yeah, and you used a great term uh, that I wanted to bring up on the air. You used a great term during the break, and you called it a trap. And I think that's exactly what it is for surgeons and for patients. I think you know, with the, there's a rare patient that has the exact problem that's going to be fixed by that type of an approach, and it really is rare. The problem is, it's a very sexy idea. You know, people coming in, they want to have their upper arms fixed. Well, hey, if I can hide the incision in the underarm, why not? That's a great place to do it. But I don't think the average person coming to the office really understands how that limits what can be done. Uh, with a simple explanation like we're having here on the show, the, I think everyone can agree that you're better off, you can get a much better result doing a more extensive operation, putting the scar longer down the length of the arm and getting a much better improvement. So just be careful. If you're thinking about having it done, don't get caught up in the hype and in the, the sexy idea of a limited scar. We talked about this on this show with lots of procedures, mini facelifts and the like, be careful about the mini operations. They're great for mini problems. But if you have a bigger problem, make sure that your procedure you're choosing matches your needs. So I think we all agree that underarm approach has very limited, if any, use. So let's get on to the traditional brachioplasty. Uh, Dr. Ali, walk us through the process. You know, you've got a patient sitting in front of you. They're a good candidate. They've got uh, a lot of skin hanging between their elbow and their underarm, and they're ready to get rid of their bat wings. Describe to them what their experience is going to be like. Well, first of all, you know, from the point of view of uh, our job as plastic surgeons, uh, as you said earlier, Adam, we have to define the deformity, meaning we have to understand what where the problem is and what it is. And one of the first things that... I learned from dealing with mass, massive weight loss patients is that the excess does not stop in the armpit. It actually goes on to the chest wall. So the arm is connected to the chest. And 
the exodus is actually a continuation of the arm onto the chest. And that was a great revelation to me. And I, I, if, I, if there's something I'm proud of in, in donating to this field is that I recognized that early on. And it, it was a little bit of a jump for, for me to start out with because that meant that I had to carry the incision past the armpit onto the chest wall. Uh, and that often is a little scary because for us plastic surgeons, we don't like to put scars across joints, and that's a joint up in the, in the armpit. Uh, the other aspect of it is often the excess may cross the elbow. So you have the patient put their arms up at 90 degrees and kind of bent at the elbow. I look at that arm and see how far the excess goes. So right off the bat, the biggest thing that you notice is that the excess is much more than just the upper arm. It often Almost all the time it crosses onto the chest wall, and then the second part is, in a percentage of people, it will cross past the elbow. So that's the first thing that I recognize. The second is that I like taking out the excess tissue where it sits. And it doesn't sit, uh, especially if, if people will just get in the mirror and look at themselves. It sits kind of, as you look uh, frontwards, it sits towards the back of the arm as you look in the mirror rather than the front of the arm. So I like to just take it out where it's sitting. So that means I will take out a wedge of tissue that will uh, run up and down the arm towards the back and onto the chest wall. Uh, and that's the technique that we've espoused and, and we utilize today. Okay. So you're, you've gone through sort of the diagnosis part, and now we've come to the kind of talking to the patient, counseling about what's going to happen on the day of surgery. So now you, you've... Explain how you're going to mark it out and, and the actual process, the technique of the procedure. How are you doing the arm list today? Well, um, for me, I uh, I like the marking process that we do prior to surgery is, is of essence for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't do that on the day of surgery. I do it uh, one or two days before because I spend a lot of time trying to figure out how much tissue I can take out. Uh, it's an estimation uh, that uh, you have to make that has to be fairly accurate, and it is done um, very precisely by measuring and, and uh, creating um, a pattern uh, that essentially will allow you to get the best possible contour but still be able to close the arm because the arm is a unique structure. Uh, it is a cylinder, if you think about it, and it has this cover, which is the skin and the fat, over this, this cylinder, and there's tissue hanging off of it, so you have to remove just the right amount. Uh, but again, if you don't if you don't move enough, it's not good. If you move too much, you can't close the arm. So the entire process of the marking, which happens one or two days before surgery, is a very extensive one. Then on the day of surgery, generally I do it under a general anesthetic. The patient is asleep, and um, I since I've spent so much time delineating that, I have a pretty good idea that I'm going to be able to get away with that amount of tissue. And I start to cut it out in sections. I cut out, let's say I start at the elbow and move about 10 centimeters up the arm, cut that part out, and then I quickly close it. Then I move up uh, the arm and keep on doing that till I remove the entire uh, resection. Okay, uh, so you're, you're taking a wedge sort of like uh, taking a, a slice of pizza out of the pie and then bringing the edges of the pie together. Exactly. And, okay. Uh, again, the arm is a really important, very, very uh, unique structure in that you cannot allow too much swelling to occur in the operating room 
because if you do, if you think about it, it's a cylinder. So the cylinder will develop a thickness that wasn't there part of the surgery. Then you might not be able to close it, even if you guessed absolutely correctly. Right. So, so obviously, that's, that, that's going to be up to the experience of the surgeon. And, and, of course, on New Reflections, we're always asking folks to do their homework. Make sure you're going to properly board-certified plastic surgeons and people that have lots of experience in doing these procedures. You know you'll be in good hands and experienced hands and get nice results. Now, I, I would particularly agree, if I may, Dennis Hurwitz again. Um, yeah. That's such an important point in these highly specialized areas like the arms and thighs. Uh, not just board certified, frankly. I think the listeners ought to realize you're entitled to ask about their experience. Uh, are, are they busy doing this? Uh, is this something they do once or twice a year, or is this something they see more often? Uh, Al Ali really hit the nail on the head. The margin for error in resection is very small, particularly on the arm. You have a little bit more going for on the side, but the difference between inadequate, so it's still loose, and too much is an inch or so, or less in width. So without experience, um, the operation cannot be done uh, as effectively or safely. Yeah, you know, I, I think that's a very, very important point. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, sometimes I'll have visiting folks and come to the operating room and they'll watch with their residents or other surgeons. And some, the question comes up, and it, it's, it's a hard one to answer exactly, see if you guys agree. And they say, well, how much, how do you know when you're removing the right amount? You know, how do you know what the right amount is? And, and my answer is really by experience. It's, you know, sort of like Jesse Helm said about pornography. You know it when you see it. And you, and you learn that by doing a bunch of these procedures and learning, you know, when you, when you're getting into trouble and when you're, when you have just the right amount. And I think part of it, part of the way of staying out of trouble is being very careful with your technique in the way that Dr. Ali was describing, uh, in doing it, you know, piece by piece, little by little and being patient and measuring things as you go and making sure that you're not committing to something that you can't get done. So you're exactly right, Dr. Hurwitz. I think asking about the experience is critical for these patients. Tell us about your experience and if a patient comes to you and we're talking about a, a brachioplasty, sort of what Dr. Ali was going through, tell us what you tell your patients or how you counsel them through this procedure when they're in their consultation. Well, you know, they have to volunteer, of course, that this is what really bothers them. I don't even go there. If they, if I see a bad arm, I, I just don't even mention it because it has to be a real concern because the operation is tricky and the complications are um, very troublesome, which we'll, I'm sure, get into later. But in any event, um, once we've agreed that the, uh, the uh, excision has to continue down the arm, and on the inner aspect or the back, back of the arm, depending on where they like the scar, um, uh, we can move forward. It's not, it's not, I don't want to say it's a dangerous operation. It's, it can be done under, under local or mild sedation uh, or, or, or general uh, because we're not getting into muscles or anything like that. Um, and so I agree about marking the patient the day before. Uh, and spending time uh, pinching the skin, uh, gathering the skin in the middle of the arm. Uh, I, I like to see a, 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 not a straight line scar, but a curved scar reaching up to the, from below the elbow, down the back of the arm, up again into the top of the axilla and crisscrossing in a matter to the um, armpit so it, we don't get that scar band across that Dr. Ali mentioned as a possibility. He said, we have our ways and this is one way a plastic surgeon can avoid that. So, uh, and, and I mark it, and then, it, you know, it, it, of all things, symmetry is so important. So, 
one side's marked, and I, and I mark the other, and then I, I, we all spend a lot of time fussing with it to be sure it's the final result is symmetrical as to contour and as to the scar position as possible with the patient realizing that minor little touch-ups to get that result may be um, in the offing. It just may happen in a small percentage of patients. All right. And so in the uh, technique-wise, are you also doing that kind of wedge of the pie technique? No, actually, I understand the rationale, uh, uh, but I do it uh, in a little bit more what I think is expeditious. I, I think an important thing is to um, do the operation in such a way to minimize postoperative swelling and uh, what we call seromas or lymphocytes, which are collections of serum or lymph in the arm, which is a troublesome problem. So. Um, Part of my operation is to do some liposuction in every case, whether they're fat or not, in the area that I'm going to remove the skin. So when I take the fat out by preliminary liposuction, I've preserved the uh, lymphatics, the veins, the nerves, and all I really do is excise the skin. And after that, close the two ends to, uh, together along the whole width or, or along the whole length. So mine, uh, the technique I like to do which I call the L brachioplasty because, like Dr. Ali said, this is the arm, armpit, and down onto the chest to the degree necessary to take care of the chest. Um, it necessitates uh, taking out the, the fatty tissue first in a conservative manner. If I turn, and I'll always take out a little less than I think, and I can trim away along one or the other uh, margins the remaining skin and get the tightness that I like. And um, he's certainly right. This is not an operation that should take you hours to do, or by the time you're ready to close it up, it will be uh, swollen and, and you've got a real problem. And so there where it comes experience. How do you get experience? By watching other surgeons, training for it, um, being conservative to start with, uh, accepting a revision rate, because being too tight with the closure leads to serious problems. So, so the, the the difference in technique is that liposuction you're adding. And I have to say that I actually like that technique myself. Uh, I I do like the idea of preserving as much of the lymphatic channels as possible. And you know, of course, when you're removing the skin, you are going to have to go through some of those lymphatic channels uh, just in order to be able to remove the skin. But you minimize that, and I have, to, in my experience, I've seen a lot less problems with those fluid collections, the seromas that we see, since changing to using the liposuction as opposed to a wedge. But I know that Dr. Ali is a great student of the anatomy and uh, understands very well the importance of the preserving the lymphatics and, and modifies his technique as needed to respect that and has excellent results in his technique. So it really doesn't matter which technique you're using. I think we've hit the nail on the head earlier. The important thing is if you're looking at having this procedure done, make sure you're going to a surgeon that has lots of experience and has been down this road a number of times and, and you'll be in good hands. Now, we kind of discussed the extended brachioplasty just with the brachioplasty and kind of making the incision as long as needed to run down onto the chest to take care of some of the stuff that goes down the side of the chest in some of the, the bigger patients that we see. And so we really need to discuss that. Let's get on to, we're talking a little bit about the, the things that can go wrong. We just talked about seromas or fluid collections a little bit. Dr. Ali, what are some of the other common things we need to watch out for after the operation? Well, 
I think one of the things that is associated with the operation, and I'm not really sure it's a complication, is that scars in the arm uh, tend to be a little bit uh, more prominent uh, than other areas in the body. So if you've had, uh, you know, a tummy tuck or uh, other surgeries done, those scars usually turn out pretty well. Uh, the scars on the arms uh, for any individual tend to be a little bit thicker uh, in the area of the arm. But interestingly, uh, as a general rule for us in plastic surgery, we say scars mature at a year, meaning that their final width and how prominent they are, uh, except for color, because I think color can improve for two to three years out, tends to stabilize at a year. Uh, interestingly, I found in the brachioplasty patients, it takes about two years to mature a scar. So, number one, the scar is maybe a little bit thicker uh, in the arm than other areas uh, that in the body. And number two, it takes a lot longer to reach that final stabilization of the scar. Other yeah. potential complications, one we talked about in the discussions of the technique, if you're unable to close the arm, it's obviously a big problem. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Yeah, and uh, that is something that may require a skin graft, meaning that the tissue, you know, some of the skin that you cut out, you can put on there. Um, so that's obviously a, a problem that we all try very hard not to end up with. And uh, as Dr. Horowitz said, it's important that you go to people who have uh, significant enough experience to avoid that issue. Yeah, uh, you know, and I think I think I should say a couple things here before we continue. The the scar, I think you're absolutely right. We do see a little bit thicker scars and I, I think they do take a little longer to settle down, but it with if you're putting the scar in the right location, I think the three of us all agree in that location along kind of the back part of the upper arm, which is different from what classically was done. Someone with less experience might put it higher in the inner part of the upper arm. Um, that, I think, is a far more visible place to put it. And when you put it in the place that most experienced surgeons are putting it, even if it's a little thicker, it's really not noticeable in most positions, that you, in most conversational poses that you'll be in in, in, in a typical uh, social setting. You know, when you're talking to someone and you're moving your arms about, the scar is rarely visible. And in fact, I'll sometimes demonstrate that to patients and take a, a purple skin marker and put a line down their arm exactly where I think the scar should go and then have them stand in front of the mirror and talk with me and see how often they see a flash of purple. And it really, it doesn't come up very much at all. So a well-positioned scar does, it kind of takes that worry about the thickness or the thinness of the scar out of the picture. And then the, the bit about not being able to close the arm, well, I think we really made, it impo made the importance of choosing the right surgeon uh, clear, because that is something, in my opinion, that should never happen. You should never be in, in a situation in the operating room where you simply can't close the incision because you've got too much swelling or, or too much, uh, you've planned to take out too much and you didn't plan properly. I, I think with experience, that is something that should never happen. Um, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll continue. We'll, we'll get on to some of the thigh lifts. And a lot of the complications we're talking about for arm lifts, we'll get into thigh lifts as well. We'll take this short commercial break and come back talking about thigh lifts here on New Reflections. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. 
Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. If you need a coronary bypass procedure, you probably want someone you trust and not the biggest bargain in town. You might get more than you bargained for. This is your face and body we're talking about. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. People pick a doctor based on trust, and you can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation in a multilingual office. That's 305-792-7575. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard and the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections. Welcome back to New Reflections. We've been talking about making the extremities less extreme. We're talking about arm lifts and thigh lifts. We're just talking a lot about arm lifts, the ways we do it, the type of patients we see, the techniques we use, and some of the things you have to watch out for that can go wrong. Let's get into thigh lifts because we haven't discussed thigh lifts very much. Uh, Dr. Hurwitz, there are lots of different techniques for thigh lifts, just like there are for arm lifts. And, of course, it's a similar type of discussion with the thigh lifts. There's liposuction can be part of that process. There's a, a thigh lift that can be done with a groin incision. And then there's a, a thigh lift that can be done with what I call an inseam incision, or the, the, the incision that goes from the knee all the way up the inner thigh, just like with the arms. So let's walk through your thoughts on how you're choosing your procedures in the thigh. You know, um, I, I like uh, examining my patient and then turning them in, into a full-length mirror and, they, and let them see with me what's possible by pushing their skin up, down, and around. Uh, similar to how uh, Al Ali described the arm, uh, the thigh has issues of sagging, uh, no question about it, with gravity, but also particularly with weight loss, um, it could be loosened all the way around. The volume is less, and it needs to be um, re- tightened all the way down like an inner seam, just as you mentioned. Um, for many of the cosmetic cases, that is, those who just through the years uh, with minimal weight loss, uh, a rather nice operation uh, pioneered by Ted Lockwood uh, 30 years ago, um, where this, whereby a crescent of skin is removed below the genitalia, the labia or the scrotum, uh, from the groin uh, down the thigh and then back towards the pubic or sitting bone area, uh, it does a nice job. To, for the upper half of the thigh, and that's all you have to do, and the scar is remarkably hidden under underwear. Uh, and unfortunately, most people think that's, that's it. Uh, but we're going to talk about uh, the, 
the lengthy scars that are needed on almost every weight loss patient, massive weight loss patient, and a good number of those who simply have aging thighs. Okay, and so the, I think the groin incision is something that can do very well for it's sort of like the approach that I, I like to take in the arm. Really, if it's if the excess is limited in the upper part of the thigh, then you can use that groin incision, and it is a limited number of patients. The most patients that we see that come in and want their thighs firmed up, it really does take the incision that goes down the leg on the on the inner part of the thigh. And this is a discussion that you have with the patient almost every time because they frequently come in thinking that they can have that groin incision. And when you take a look at their thighs, it's just not going to be a good match for what they need. And you have to do this education uh, of the patient each time. So, you, again, you got to match the operation to the needs and the goals that you have. So, If I may say, and this is another situation where a halfway down the thigh can, can work rather effectively and have a scar that's below a, a mid-length skirt. Uh, or long shorts. So it doesn't mean you have to go all the way. Uh, I've been using that operation more and more uh, as, a, as a somewhat of a compromise, uh, effective but le- and less scar. Because the scar, as you get close to the knees, is, can be pretty objectionable. Yeah, well, it's also, whether it's objectionable or not, it's certainly visible if you're going to wear a shorter skirt or you're, or you're going to wear shorts. And you know, Here in Miami, in California, Dr. Ali, you know, these are considerations that we have year round and of course dr Hurwitz, you have it for about half the year is still relevant you know? <laughs> <That's> right <laughs> so uh, let's talk about the different techniques here now are you using liposuction as well as the, the mainstay of the beginning of your procedure dr Hurwitz? yes uh, similar to the arm i do what's called excision site liposuction that is the area that we plan to remove on the inner thigh it's mapped out like we talked about the arm the night before by pinching and squeezing and gathering the, the front and the back and the thigh together. Um, and, and then um, in the operating room, um, putting fluid in there, saline with um, epinephrine and suctioning it out so that only the skin's removed. And it appears to me um, that the lymphatics and a lot of the nerves are preserved, the saphenous veins preserved. So post-operative uh, thigh swelling, which used to bedevil my patients, post-operative lymphocytes, which were an occasional big problem, uh, are all but non-existent. Okay. Yeah, I, would, I would agree with that. I do like the liposuction, as I said earlier. Dr. Ali, do you use the same technique uh, that you use in the arms, or are you using liposuction in the thighs as well? Uh, as a, uh, as far as the bra- uh, brachioplasty in the arms, I do not use liposuction because I, I feel like even a small amount of fluid will alter the amount that I am estimating. However, in the thighs, the thighs are a much more forgiving structure because they're larger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do uh, like the idea of uh, liposuctioning the area that I will excise. Uh, and uh, as Dr. Horowitz said, to maintain the lymphatics, which are key to uh, reducing swelling uh, and returning back to normal. So I, I definitely uh, aspire to that or use that in, in thigh reduction. Now, would you guys agree that, uh, much like in the arms, when you're going up to the groin, it's pretty common that your incision has to run up along that groin crease or maybe backwards towards the buttock a little bit to make everything lie nice and flat? Uh, for me, uh, I trying not to do any uh, horizontal incisions at all. I stopped doing that about, um, I don't know, 10 years ago 
one of the major problems that you can have uh, with the surgery in females is that scar that goes horizontally. If it creates tension and pulls the labia away from each other, the labia are supposed to be touching each other, and on the inside it's a, it's an area that's supposed to be moist. If you pull them apart and they're exposed to air continuously, that area that is supposed to be moist gets dry. It can affect, affect sexual function and a variety of other things. So uh, for me, uh, that's one of the major things that I want to avoid, and I just I don't do that incision. Now, okay. my vertical incision is far enough back that if I have to remove or move a little bit onto, as you said, a little towards the buttocks crease or a little bit in the front, I will not affect the position of the labia, okay. which is key. Fair point. That's an that's a important thing to consider. Dr. Hurwitz, your thoughts? Uh, I, uh, I'm well aware of Ali's, Dr. Ali's pioneering work in adjusting this operation. Uh, and I'll, whenever I can, I do it. But most of the time, I would say 80% of the time, I cross the long vertical excision with what would say a top of a T as it goes under the, uh, up to the labia. And frankly, um, the predominant resection is vertical. And I, in this hybrid or complex operation, labial retraction has not been a, an issue in my patients. Uh, yeah, I think I think if you're limiting what you're I, if you're limiting what you're taking out of the top of that incision, I usually take out just that little dog ear of skin to make sure things lie flat. If you have some excesses still sitting up there, but I, I would agree that large amounts of stuff taken out along that uh, that crease of placing tension there can definitely lead to to trouble. And so, speaking of trouble. Let's talk about some of the things we worry about with thigh lifts. Are we talking about basically the same collection of uh, concerns? Well, you know, um, one of the problems is, is maybe um, ex- expectations that can't be met. The thigh has a complex of problems uh, that's different than the arm in that it's not only sagging skin, but there tends to be lumpy, bumpy little um, irregularities in so many women which referred to as cellulite. Right, um, which, then, is, which is truly now, not right. cellulite. That's an important thing to say. It really is not cellulite. I always tell my patients it's normal to have kind of a cobblestone or, or uneven surface of the skin. It's just a normal pattern of that tissue, and that will frequently not be improved. Exactly. So with this, getting them well-informed and understand what you can accomplish, it may be a little better when you tighten the skin up, and that's great. And often it needs to be combined with something like a, uh, lower body lift to get the full impact on the thighs. Uh, I'm sure we would all agree, and we mm-hmm. may want to discuss that. But uh, it, it's um, it's getting it uh, figured out right, and we all would love to see uh, def- totally deflated thighs, removing a very little fat, and just working with the skin. Unfortunately, the most difficult problems are the the legs that are still heavier than we would like. Right. And they have, have excess in a lot of different directions, not all of which are going to be improved with the techniques of a thigh lift. Um, quick question for both of you. Drains. Do you, you guys use drains in your arms or your thighs? Uh, I do not use drains in the arms or thighs. I, um, as far as the arms go, I uh, simply elevate their arms. I don't even wrap them anymore. I used to wrap them. Uh, I feel wrapping is, has potential uh, negative complications, so I just don't do that. I just haven't raised the arms. As far as the thighs go, I do have them wear compression, but I do not use drains. 
Okay, Dr. Horowitz? Oh, I agree. Uh, I, I think it's a, actually a mistake to use drains. You know, for the audience, the drains are these tubes that uh, may be under suction uh, bulbs that will take out will, fluid or blood that uh, may be left behind or generated. Uh, when these operations are done right, there's very little um, undermining, of t- or, uh, undermining of tissues. We just pull the skin together uh, carefully and securely, and um, I think drains can lead to more troubles with uh, um, lymphatic openings, and uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, there's no place for drains. And no, frankly, patients love to hear that because they hate those drains. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I, I'm uh, surprised that we all agree. I thought we'd have a little bit of controversy here. I thought somebody might use a drain, but yeah, I think we agree here. In terms of anesthesia, we mentioned it earlier. You can do this with some sedation and local, even under straight local for certain patients. But uh, my preference is to do this with general anesthesia just for patient comfort. Uh, your thoughts, Dr. Ali? Um, I think these are rather extensive operations, and although um, you don't uh, enter any uh, cavities like the abdomen or the chest or uh, operate on the muscle, I still think they're they're a bit too extensive for me to do them under local with sedation. I certainly wouldn't do them under straight local. Uh, and, you know, I have the personality as such that if I'm worried about the patient not you know, not being comfortable, I'm not going to do as good an operation. So just it fits me. Uh, my personality is such that I need them under a general, so I'm not worried about hurting them. And Dr. Hurwitz, yeah, I agree, uh, general anesthesia, which um, working on the thighs um, and doing general anesthesia, there is a potential setup for um, deep vein thrombosis. And I, do you want to talk about that? Uh, well, I can say something real quickly. I mean, DVT or deep vein thrombosis are when clots form in the legs and when you're laying on a table and we're operating or creating tension in the thighs, particularly as we're closing, there is some risk for deep vein thrombosis or DVT and that risk may be greater in patients that still have pretty high body mass indexes or BMIs. They still weigh a good amount, perhaps are still uh, obese. Uh, but much better than they might have been before, having lost a large amount of weight. The, the more weight you have, uh, there are other risk factors that may in- increase your chances for developing it. And uh, I think, Dr. Hurwitz, where you're getting at it is if you take someone who's under sedation, uh, who uh, may have be, maybe more awake and have more live muscle action or, or be moving around or a little more, Maybe less likely to develop DVT. Uh, right. cer- certainly, we can also use the measures that that we always use in operations, which are uh, these little compression booties that give your thigh, your calves a massage as the operation is being done. And and some surgeons like to use uh, medicines to thin your blood very slightly to make those clots less likely. And certainly, in high risk patients, I think we would all do that. Um, but so I think that's definitely one of the arguments for using sedation in a high-risk patient. Uh, let's, uh, recovery, I think we're running a little bit out of time. I want to cut it a little bit short. The, the recovery time typically is one to two weeks, I'd say, for arms. Uh, thighs may take a little bit longer. It depends on the patient and how fast they bounce back, but certainly two to three weeks, I'd say, would be on average. Would you two agree? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, let me tell you... Um, 
these are some of the most satisfied and gratifying uh, uh, patients uh, that, that I have. Um, they know these problems are difficult to deal with. Uh, they've sometimes been turned down by other doctors who don't have the experience or referred by others. And uh, I, I, as a rule, find tremendous satisfaction. And in both situations, though, the scars are pretty lengthy. Uh, given enough time and placed properly, they tend to be a non-factor. I can't think of a person I've done a thighplasty on, of course, they're well-informed, that has regretted the scar, even if it goes to their knee, when in trade for the uh, reduction in the shaping of the leg. Yeah, I would say the same thing about arms. To me, and I still do wrap the arms from the wrist to the shoulder immediately the first day after surgery, and I take it down the next morning. Uh, that moment the next morning that we're unwrapping the arm and they're seeing their new arm contour for the first time is a very emotional time. And it's, it's one of the most gratifying moments in my career when I do that. You know, each time I do a brachioplasty in front of that mirror, taking the dressing down, it's, it's a tremendous revelation. It's a wonderful time for the patient that you get to share. Uh, let's talk about insurance. Are either of you successful in having insurance cover this? And if not, what are the costs in your office to have this done? Uh, I'm not successful uh, uh, unless, unless one of the most bizarre situations of disability from the leg or thigh uh, deformity. Um, even if you have rashes, um, which can be a real problem, usually, though difficult, they can be under control. But insurance coverage in my region of Pennsylvania uh, are not amenable to this. Uh, do you Dr. Ali, do you have any thoughts about insurance coverage? Um, I, I have the same uh, situation as Dr. Horowitz. Yeah, it's hard to get this stuff covered. So let's talk about costs. So before we go, Dr. Ali, what's the average cost for an arm or thigh lift? Uh, you know, it, it depends a little bit on, on uh, the situation, how long it's going to be. And I would say uh, if uh, I have a very large person, which means that I'm going to take longer to do the case than if I have a, you know, a small person, it's going to make a difference. Uh, so, uh, the arms are fairly quick operation for me. They're about a couple hours in an average size person. And, uh, if you're talking about costs, you have to think of OR, anesthesia, surgeon's fee. Uh, probably in my system, it's somewhere between eight to twelve thousand dollars. Uh, and, uh, for the thighs, probably about the same. Okay. Dr. Hurwitz? Um, yeah, for the arms, I would say it would, the total cost, gl the global fee uh, with covering everything is around 10000 but the thighs, uh, frankly, are everything's longer and more challenging yet, and that's more like um, uh, twelve to 15000 Um and that would include any potential uh, touch-up operations that may be necessary unless uh, anesthesia is included, and that, that will cost more. So we're quite comparable. Yeah, in Miami, I'd say we're a little bit less expensive than that, but we're in the same ballpark. Uh, costs run pretty standard for these operations throughout the country. Uh, we're out of time. I want to thank both of you for being on the show. Uh, Dr. Ali, I know you've got somewhere to get to. I want to let you go. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Tell the audience if they're in California, would love to see you for their arms or thighs. How do they find you? Uh, well, they uh, can give my office a call at uh, 714 Four five six five two five three, or they could go to uh, www.uciplasticsurgery.com. I'm at the University of California Irvine, so that's the. I'm sorry, .edu. So it's www.uciplasticsurgery. 
uh, edu. Great. And Dr. Hurwitz, if someone wants to find you in Pennsylvania? Uh, yes, um, I'm at 412-802-6100 is the office number in Pittsburgh. And um, my website is Hurwitz Center, H-U-R-W-I-T-Z-C-E-N-T-E-R, HurwitzCenter.com. Great. Uh, we've had a great discussion. I couldn't ask for two better guests to discuss arms and thighs. International experts, Dr. Al Ali and Dr. Dennis Hurwitz, thanks so much for joining us in the show. We've got shows coming up talking about combination procedures. Get that tummy tuck while you're getting your hysterectomy if you need to have that done. We'll talk about combinations like that. We'll also talk about plastic surgery websites in a future show. What are the good ones? What are the bad ones? Where can you get good information on the web? And lots more. Join us every week, 12 to 1, Saturdays on Eastern Time, 9 to 10 Pacific, here on New Reflections. Thanks for joining us. We hope you stayed informed and entertained today on New Reflections. Please join your host, Dr. Adam Rubenstein, again next Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You can also email the doctor at info at dr-rubenstein.com or visit his website at www.dr-rubenstein.com. And don't forget to join us next Saturday for new reflections on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a beautiful weekend.